grateful that I'm blessed today. Because if it wasn't for the Lord on my side, I really don't know where I would be. And so every time I've got a chance to give him thanks, that's exactly what I'm going to do. With excitement, with joy, with gladness, and with thanksgiving. And I'm going to give God thanks. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord, saints. Again, I say praise the Lord to you. You know, these last two weeks, we've been talking about baptism, and I'm going to continue on that vein. Um, we've actually been doing more teaching than preaching on this idea, and that's because, you know, we don't have a Sunday school just yet. And maybe we'll get one going at some point, but we don't have a Sunday school going yet. So sometimes I have to kind of, um, kind of substitute my um, preaching with teaching. And so that's what I'm going to do for the next few, next week or so, is substitute this idea of preaching with teaching. So I'm going to be doing a lot of scriptures. I'm going to be sharing a lot of scriptures with you. Um, there's, going to be picture, there's going to be slides to help you kind of maintain. If you're trying to get back to those scriptures later, you say, ah, I need to get back and take a picture of the scriptures, feel free. Um, that's what they're there for. They're for, for your reference, they're for your guidance, they're for your teaching, for you to kind of um, get a good sense of what I'm speaking. It's, it's good to get the word in you. I, I've spent a lot of time studying and reading myself for, for the messages, but this is for you too, right? I get, my, I, get, I get out of this what I need and to sustain me, but the, I'm a servant to you, I'm a minister to you. I'm doing this for you. I read it for myself, to be sure, um, but I... I I'm doing this so that you can be um, grounded in the truth of gospel. I have, no other, I have no other kind of agenda here, except for you have, make sure you have a closer relationship with Christ and the salvation that he so, so diligently provided for you. And I think it's incumbent upon us when we are given gifts to honor the gift. We honor the gift by studying, by diving into the word by understanding his purpose and his principle for you. Um, in that regard then, there's a ton of scriptures. These are a subset of the scriptures I'm going to be going through today. These are the main ones. Um, I'll be showing them again at the end, but we'll be going through each and, each and every single one of them. So be patient, sit in, get your minds ready, get your humble hearts ready to receive the word. This is going to be something important. I want you to kind of sit on these words and meditate upon them. Okay, so we started this last week, if you remember, from Romans 6. Romans chapter 6, that was our kind of base uh, scripture that we were working from. This idea was that we are baptized into his death. Why were we thinking about this? We just had Easter. Just had Easter Sunday, right? We were talking about, well, he's dead and he raised again. Is the death defeat? It would be if he didn't get back up. Death would have actually been the end, but he got back up. And because he got back up in victory, we now know, by definition, that the worst thing isn't the last thing. Right? He has life even when there was death. So when we are facing all our worst moments, and even if that moment threatens us to be the last of the moments, we know that through the resurrection we always have another chance. There's something more. That's why the resurrection, you know, this story of Jesus wouldn't be a story at all if he didn't get up. Like, no one would remember him. No one would care. But he got up again after saying, I'm going to give my life and take it back. That's why this is special. 
Our salvation then in that same fashion is special because he gives us a chance to be associated with his death and his resurrection. Right, let's read the scripture here so we are centered in this moment. Romans chapter 6 says, Know ye not that as many of you as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Like you got associated with the same death that he got associated with because you've been baptized into him. That death is now associated with you, but not permanently. You see, it wouldn't be no fun, it wouldn't be even helpful if you went into the pool and never got out. <laughs> you raise up. You get back up, just like he did. <laughs> Ain't nobody's going into the pool to stay there. We're going in there to get up again. But something happens when we go through this idea of baptism, right? Something happens. Some things aren't powerful enough, aren't great enough to get through the filter that is death, right? Only so far he has defeated death and he now has permission to let anybody else defeat death. <laughs> He now has the authority and permission to let anybody else defeat death. So when we go down in baptism, he gets to choose whether we come through. And he chooses us. But then he gets to decide, what of you do I not want to get through the baptism? The part of you that is sin. The part of you that is aside from him. He says, you can leave that on the other side of your baptism, but when you get through, just you, you're a new creature now. You're something different. <laughs> You're something different now. You've rose up in this, what the scripture declares as newness of life. Thank you, Lord God. You go through this, let's read. It says, therefore we are buried with him in baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. You're something new. You go through what looks like death, only be to be raised up again in life. <laughs> You're not subject to the old anymore. You can think of it like, I think I may have used this example before. You can think of it like a caterpillar, right? It goes into what looks like a dormant stage. And the thing that comes up on the other side is nothing like the thing that went in. Where the other one crawled, this one flies. Where the other one looks ugly, this one looks beautiful. <laughs> Where the other one hangs around um, with beautiful flowers, the other one is munching on everything, biting and destroying everything that's green. The other one's flying around beautifully. You love to see the butterfly, the, the, the caterpillar. We could do without, if we could have the butterfly without the caterpillar. <laughs> But to get from the caterpillar to the butterfly, it goes through what looks like death. Ah, that's what we do. We go through this moment in baptism that takes us to life. Amen. Here's the other thing. I think I mentioned this last time, but I'm going to do it again. The butterfly doesn't hang out with the caterpillar when it's changed. Like they don't visit old haunts. It is new creature. 
It's not on the ground, it's flying. God has called us to newness of life once we go through the baptism. Last week we talked about this idea of the various ways God has used water to separate the old from the new. We started in the Genesis, right? When God said, looked at the, the, the earth was without form and void, without order, basically, without definition. It was a dark place, right? And the God moved upon the face of the, the waters. After he moved upon the face of the waters, then he said, let there be light. We went from darkness to light. After what? Water. Then we talked about the children of Israel. They were in captivity for 300 years, continually in captivity, under oppression, enslavement, no freedom. The scripture describes it as the kabash, meaning they were bowed down in oppression underneath that old system. What freed them? They were getting ready to walk out and they weren't gonna get away, but they went through the the Red Sea, the water of the Red Sea, they got through, but their enslavement couldn't follow. We get freed by baptism in the same way. The same way Christ died and got up and is alive forevermore, the scripture says. We with baptism have the same thing. We saw the scriptures as well. When the children of Israel were in the wilderness for 40 years, and the scripture tells us that they get ready to go to the promised land. And the way they get there is across the river Jordan. And the scripture tells us again that they have a similar experience where the water of the Jordan is parted. They get to go through, you know what can't go through? The wilderness can't follow them. That wilderness attitude cannot follow them. That's what's happening to us. The wilderness attitude, the Lord is saying, you can't go on the other side of your baptism. That's why baptism is so important. So let me keep reading this out because I've got a lot to get through. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, if you do this like this, like he died, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. You get to get up like he got up. Knowing this, that our old man, that old you, that caterpillar you, if you will, that old thing that was about you is what? Crucified with him. That old you can't take it. That old you can't stand it. That's why there has to be a new you on the other side. Amen? That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should no, no longer serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. The best way to think about this is sin is like a debt. Every time you do it, you owe. Except for you were born with it, and then you just add it to the debt that you had. By the time you realize you've got the debt, you have no chance of paying it off. You're going to be in debt until you hit the grave. But what happens when you die in reality is you no longer owe it. Your kids might. You might leave debt for your kids, but you, you don't have to pay debt if you're in the grave. They're not, you don't have anybody lining up at the graveyard saying, I let my bill pay. It's too late. It's over. So what happens with death through baptism? You no longer owe the debt of sin. The one you were born with, the one you couldn't pay. 
You couldn't do enough good things to overcome the bad things. But Jesus paid it all for us. Hallelujah. So what does baptism mean? What is, what is the word? I know we know now. That's because we, we, we sit here having seen 2,000 years of history unfold. But it's interesting to look at the word itself. It wouldn't actually be a preaching if I didn't translate one Greek word for you. I feel like that's a necessary for, for every preacher to at least translate one Greek or Hebrew word for you. But baptism is from the Greek word baptisma. And which itself is derived from the from the word, the verb, the action word, baptizo, which is to plunge, to immerse, to dip, right? It's this idea that um, we can immerse yourself into the water. Now, there are other types of baptism, but that's never the one that they mention in the scripture. The one they mention in the scripture is baptism. There's a fusion and aspersion, right? A fusion and aspersion are pouring and sprinkling. Those are types of baptism. But the one that used, the Greek word they use in the Bible is the, to plunge, to dip, to go under. That's how they define baptism. They could have used it. They are very deliberate with their usage of Greek words. It's a very descriptive language. It's, it's like there's about seven different words for love. I heard that the Inuits, the, 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 uh, the Native Americans who are from uh, uh, the Alaska, they have about 20 plus different words for ice. Right, because it's important to them, right? They have various words, so you can imagine ice that you can stand on, that's a different word. Ice you can barely see, that's a different word. Ice that's thin, that's another word altogether. But they build this lexicon around the thing that is important to them. The, the words we use in Greek are very deliberate, in the same way, very descriptive. There is no two meanings of the word baptism in this context. The baptism root is really about plunging in water. We're going to see examples of that in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give me a few moments here as we go down. The thing I want to kind of say before we dive into these scriptures is, man, the word of the Lord is right. Like, I'm starting with that position. I'm starting with the position that his word is truth. His word is guidance. His word is life. He, I am what... He says I am. I am not what I said I am. I am what he says I am. I am a believer in him. So we uh, hold the scriptures to be faithful and true. Amen? So what does it say in 2 Timothy 3, before I dive into the contents here, I just want to establish this. It says all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. The reason why I'm using the word is because I believe it is profitable to us. It is good for us to have these things. And why do we have these things? So that the man or the woman of God may be made perfect, yes. thoroughly furnished in all good works. I want you to have perfection. Here's the thing, you can go around being, ink, and this word perfection really in this instance means to be complete, to be finished. Doesn't mean you're without defect, it means you have come to completion. It means you've been, you've been worked, like your battery at 90% is not perfect. Like we want that at 100%. That's what, doesn't mean your battery's not gonna run out, doesn't mean it's not gonna go up and down. It just simply means it's not been finished yet. Hasn't finished charging yet, give it another half an hour. What we're doing these weeks here is topping that battery up, making it perfect. 
Like, like we, we don't want to leave the house unless it's 100%. We don't know where we're going to be, how long we're going to be out there. Right? Amen? I want to top that battery up when it comes to understanding what baptism is. Amen? All right. So there's a timeline to the scripture I want to get into. I'm going to take my time here, so uh, uh, settle in. I hope you all are comfortable. There's a timeline to the scripture that we have to understand. First is the four gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is, this is some basics. If you've been into Sunday school, you probably know this, right? There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is about the birth, death, the life, the teaching of Jesus and the resurrection. It ends, all of them tend to end with the Great Commission, or they end with the ascension of Christ into the heavens. That's the gospel. That's the breakdown of the New Testament, right? Then after that, in terms of the history and the timeline, the very next thing that happens is the Acts of the Apostles, right? So we talk about Jesus' life, his death, resurrection, and ascension. The very next thing that happens in the timeline is the Acts of the Apostles. These are the things that people did with the teachings that Jesus gave. Like, what am I supposed to do with the words you've been saying for the last three years? What you've been teaching me during your public ministry, what do we do? That's the Acts of the Apostles, all right? Then after the Acts of the Apostles, um, you have the letters that were written to the churches. They're trying to, now that we've established the church, how do we keep it going? So you see now we start with Jesus teaches, the apostles do, and then we apostles sustain. How do we keep it going? Right? That's what it is. So I'm going to use the middle part of this, Acts of the Apostles, to explain what we do with what Jesus taught us. Does that make sense? Amen. You're following the timeline. So whenever you see me go to the timeline that says Acts of the Apostles, you know I'm explaining what we are doing with what Jesus is teaching. Understood? All right. So the Great Commission at the end of the, the Gospels, Mark 16, he says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I don't care where you're from, how old you are, uh, what political opinions you have, uh, uh, which um, political government you decide you want to support, every creature gets this gospel. I don't care what you do, who you are, who you hang out with, what your proclivities are, I don't care. Everybody gets to hear this gospel. I'm not holding it back from anybody. <laughs> there, there, there's a thing, I'm from England, and one of the things uh, you grow up with in the back of your head is that the English hate the French. French hate the English. Something you just grow up with, knowing. It's, it's a weird thing. It's not necessarily real. It's kind of almost tongue-in-cheek at this point. It's kind of almost joking. But we always say, ah, oh, the French, we hate the French, and the French hate the English. Whenever we are playing a game of soccer or something like that, everybody puts on their English shirt, everybody puts on their French shirt, and they're all out there cheering for their team. Doesn't usually get anything more than everybody's cheering for their team. Um, but even with that situation, we, we fought, England and France fought a war for 100 years. What? How do you fight for that long? Like, who, who remembered how it started? At the end, who's remembered? That's how long it is, but I'm saying all that to say, I don't care if we're enemies. I've got to preach this gospel to you. Even if we're enemies, this gospel is to every creature. He goes on verse 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Wow. 
He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But then he also says this, but he that believeth not shall be damned. He's set up baptism in this command to the disciples, to the apostles, as being critical to your salvation. This is the end of the Gospels. He's explaining to the apostles, I'm about to leave, this is my last message. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If you don't believe, you're not gonna be saved. Simple as that. He that believeth, and this is repeated, the Gospels, remember, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, by the four evangelists, are in the same time. They begin around with roughly the same time, they end roughly the same time. And so Matthew has the same thing. He says, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and all earth. All authority is his. He gets to determine right now how salvation is to be done in the earth. And what does he say? He says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things. This, this verse 21 is, 20 is really, really important to understand verse 19. You really have to dig in on verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. He's talking to the apostles right now. And he's telling them, you've got to teach them to observe the things I've commanded you to do. So the reason why I get kind of pent up about what the apostles are doing is because Jesus says, I'm supposed to observe those things. I'm supposed to be very careful to observe those things, right? And lo, I am with you always, even until the ends of the earth. So that's the end of the gospel. Now we start to see, well, what did you do with this information? You, you, you gave us this, Jesus, to do. So Acts is what I did with it, because Jesus, remember, is going into the heavens right now. So Acts chapter 2, we went through this last week. You remember Acts chapter 1 and 2. They've been told to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Ghost comes. They've been told to wait in Jerusalem till the Holy Ghost comes. And they think that they're drunk because the Holy Spirit's come. And Peter starts to explain, this isn't drunkenness. No, 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 no. This isn't craziness, this isn't drunkenness. It's really early in the morning, there's no time for us to be drunk at this time, <laughs> right? And then he says, then he says, then he starts to explain what this is, that this is the Holy Ghost. And then he starts to explain that this Jesus, who you crucified, is Lord and Christ. And you've already killed him, but thanks be to God, he didn't just die, he got up again. So he didn't just die, he got back up again. And have a guess what, he rose with all power and Peter's preaching this to the people. This is the first time he gets to preach it. And see what's gonna happen here is that when you read this, you're gonna say, isn't that different to what Jesus said he to do? That's the first thing I really, let's read the scripture. He says, now when they heard this, when they hear the message of Jesus, they were pricked in their heart. They, 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 it, it messed with them. We killed Jesus, we killed the Christ. That's gonna mess with you. And said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What am I going to do about this? We've messed up. We, we, we were the ones who did this. And his response, Peter's response is this, repent. This is the message that Jesus told them, remember? Back in Mark and Matthew. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He's repeating the message that Jesus gave them 
of repentance and baptism in his name. And you're saying, well, wait a minute, didn't he, didn't he actually say in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost? Why, why is Peter, the very first time he's doing this, has he messed it up? And you actually realize he has not. He's actually done exactly what Jesus asked him to do in Acts 2.38. He didn't get it wrong. The reason why we know he didn't get it wrong is because two things are going on in this scripture. The scripture tells us that Peter has got up with the Holy Spirit. And we also know that during the time when, right at the end of the Gospels, that Jesus is teaching them deeper understanding of who he is. Let's go, let's actually go look at that. Luke 24, in fact, you can read for me and help me, help me do these scriptures here. Luke 24, verse 45, I need you to read and help me. Verse 5? 45. In fact, do 43. Luke 24, 43. And? Yeah. He took it and did eat before them. So this is the first time they're seeing Jesus now after the resurrection. Luke, at the end of the, of the book of Luke, they're seeing Jesus after the resurrection. Keep going. And he, took, and he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. So I've said some things to you while I was with you before, the, before the, my crucifixion. Keep going. Which were written in the law yes of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning so the scriptures have been talking about me this whole time and I've been trying to teach you but you haven't quite got it let's keep going verse 45 then open he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. I don't know if you understand the relevance here but he's been teaching them for three years they know but they still didn't understand He's been teaching them for a long time. That's why I say don't be upset if you haven't got this right away. Jesus himself, the master teacher, the rabbi, was teaching them for three years. God in the flesh was teaching them for three years and he still needed to come back after the resurrection and open their understanding. They knew what it was, but they didn't understand what it was. So it's taken all this time for them to understand who this man Jesus is. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Keep reading. And said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it is behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. They didn't understand that it was necessary for the death of Jesus to occur. They were still upset, wounded, frustrated by it. But this was necessary for salvation. And what does he go on to say? And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name there's, among all nations. There's something has gone on now that has happened after the resurrection. Jesus needed to teach them once again what it was that was going on with the death and resurrection. Amen? Let's keep going here. To, to, if we could go to St. John chapter 14. Jesus is telling them about the Holy Ghost. Remember we said that they've gone to, to Jerusalem to wait for the Holy Ghost. And he says, I'm a comforter to you, yes, yes. but I need to send you another comforter. Read that for me, please, sir. 14, verse 26. Yes. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So Jesus has said to the disciples, when I leave, I'm going to send you a comforter. I want to send you the Holy Spirit. 
And the Holy Spirit is going to teach you everything you need to know. The gaps that are still missing, the Holy Spirit is going to fill them for you. The things that you don't fully understand, the Holy Spirit is going to be responsible for helping you understand what is missing. And what has happened when, when back in Acts chapter 2, what is going on in that moment? The Holy Ghost has just landed. The Holy Ghost has just arrived. The scripture declares that it comes down as fire and they start to speak with tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance. The Holy Ghost now has come and has, he's teaching Peter exactly what to do in this moment. Peter didn't mess up when he said, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus. He understood fully what he was doing. The Holy Ghost had been teaching him. Jesus had been teaching him. He had got it just right. Let's go to St. John chapter 16 here. Yes, sir. John chapter 16, verse 13, sir. How be it? Yeah. When he, the spirit of truth, is come, yeah. he will guide you in all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. The spirit of truth is in Acts chapter 2. Luke, in writing Acts chapter 2, has described the Holy Spirit coming down. And Peter, with the anointing, with the power of the Holy Ghost, gets up for the first time with that anointing, with that power, and says, this is how we are going to give, give you repentance, baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus. It wasn't an accident. He didn't slip up. He didn't mess up. He did it exactly the way Jesus said. <laughs> Amen? Let's go back and look just for a moment at what is being said in Matthew chapter 28. It says, and Jesus came and spake to them saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Yes. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Yes, That's what it says. Yes. Let me go to my, back to my scripture. Change John chapter 14 says what? About the Holy Ghost. 1426, I'm going to have you all over the place today. I'm going to have you all over the place today. St. John chapter 1426 says. The comforter which is the Holy Ghost. Yes. Whom the Father will send in my name. Whose name? In my name. Who's speaking right now? Jesus. Jesus is speaking right now. He says, the Holy Ghost shall come in whose name? My name. In my name. The Holy Ghost is going to come in my name. Now, Jesus also says, the Father sent me in his name. Right? So Jesus come in the Father's name. The Holy Ghost is going to come in Jesus' name. What do you think is happening when you call on the name of Jesus? This isn't, this isn't, it's not like he's excluding anybody else when he says, baptizing me in Jesus' name. He's including everybody. <laughs> if Jesus has come in the Father's name, and the Holy Ghost has come in Jesus' name, what happens when you preach, preach and teach in Jesus' name is that you are including both the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. You see it? Amen. Amen. Verse. So let's go back to Acts chapter 2 then. What we see here is that Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission, for the removal, for the purging, for the, for the absolute destruction of your sins and ye shall receive the Holy Ghost. But this wasn't the only time. 
we can go, we're going to go through the other examples here of baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus because it happened repeatedly. And what they said was, I'm going to baptize you in this regard. Let's go to Acts chapter 10, verse 45, if we could. In this particular story in the Acts, again, this is happening after Jesus has died. This is the Acts, this is the apostles doing the things that Jesus taught them to do. And what's shocking for them is that this gospel is going to be pre preached to every creature. The problem is, is that they being strict Jews were not really supposed to have dealings or conversations or business with people who were non-Jews. This is challenging. This moment is challenging to them because from their perspective, I'm not supposed to hang out with the Gentiles, non-Jews. They're not supposed to hang out with Gentiles. And in chapter 10, Peter's told to literally go and preach to somebody he's not supposed to have anything to do with. It bothers him to the point where the Lord has to go speak to him in a vision and move him to go help, move him to go. But this is what I'm saying when I say, I will preach this gospel to anybody. We will bapt if anybody who wants to be baptized, we will baptize anybody. I don't care if you're annoyed with them, frustrated with them, you're the, the neighbor you can't stand, they're the city you have to play a, a basketball game again. I don't care what it is. If you want the baptism in Jesus' name, I've got to get over myself and give it to you. Let's verse, verse 45. And they of the circumcision. By circumcision, they mean the Jewish folks, folks who had un undergone that kind of um, ritual of circumcision. Which believe were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on, because that on the Gentiles also were poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost had been falling and was preaching, as Peter was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they're shocked that the Holy Ghost, they thought it was just for us. They thought the Holy Ghost was just for them. They thought the Holy Ghost and this relationship with God, that's got nothing to do with the Gentiles. That's got, that's got to be just us. You know, we do this sometimes with the gospel. We think a special kind of person deserves it, and maybe they don't. Like, I'm, like, people who look like me, or people who are from my background, or people that um, are associated with the things I like. No, 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 no. This is for everybody. Amen. Let's keep going. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnifying God, then and to Peter. Yes. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? Peter's response was... I know we're not supposed to be hanging out with these folks, but given what I've just seen, who can stand in the way of getting them to be baptized? He's challenging everything that's ingrained in him to be separate from them. I can't even, I'm not supposed to, I'm supposed to ceremonially wash myself after I shake hands with them. I'm supposed to keep myself separate. They can't prepare food for me, but yet I'm being asked to put that aside and yes. baptize them in the name of the Lord Jesus. Yes. Let's keep going. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, yeah. then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Yeah. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. His response to seeing the Holy Spirit movies, let them be baptized in the name of the Lord. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 19, let's go to another, uh, another incident here. Verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came 
to Edifice and finding certain disciples. All right, so here we got the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was converted. He, we know about him. He was known as Saul before. And Saul was one of the people whose entire intent was to wreak destruction and habit, havoc on the early church. His entire intent was to destroy them. But he had went through a conversion process. And he is now preaching the same Jesus who he was actively trying to unseat before. He's now preparing to preach Jesus himself. Let's keep going. Verse 2. And he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? He said, Have you got the Holy Spirit? What did they say? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any. Holy we didn't even know that the Holy Spirit was a thing. We didn't know that that was something to go after, to look at, to have. We didn't even know. But keep going. Verse 3. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? So his, his inquiry to them is. You obviously know something, but how were you baptized? You, you, you hardly know anything. How were you baptized? And what was their response? And they said unto him, unto John's baptism. So, man, I mean, John was baptized. We know John the Baptist was baptizing. And they were baptizing. John the Baptist was baptizing the people. And that was preparing the way for Jesus. And Jesus is now preparing the way to make sure the apostles can do what we need to do. So what is his response to them saying, we were baptized with John's baptism? Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance. Yeah, John, John did a good job with y'all. Not even going to, not going to deny that. Not going to say that's a bad thing what you did. But what is he going to say? Saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. But John's baptism wasn't about John. John's baptism was about pointing towards he was coming. It was about pointing towards Jesus. <laughs> now we kind of get a sense why, why Peter was so specific in his execution of this baptism. He said, I want to baptize you in the name of Jesus because that's what this is all about. <laughs> Jesus came in the name of the Father. The Holy Spirit came in the name of Jesus. And so now if I baptize you, I'm baptizing you incomplete. Yes, Amen. Let's keep going. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's go to another one. I'm going to ask out your way. Acts, Acts, Acts 22. Verse 14. Acts 22, 14. I'm almost out of your way. And he said, yeah. The God of our fathers has chosen thee. This is Paul, again, this is Paul, and he's talking about his experience. He's actually talking about his own conversion moment. He's talking about the fact that he had to go through that moment of realization, and he's describing it to the people he's preaching to. He's describing what happens to him. Keep reading. And he said, the God of our fathers has chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will, and see that just one, and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. Yes. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. So Paul, the Lord wants Paul to preach the gospel of Jesus. What you've seen and heard, I want you to go preach it. And so what is he going for, 16? And now, why tarest thou? Why are you waiting? This is what the, the Lord is saying to, to Paul. Before he's converted, he says, why are you waiting? Arise. What does he say? Arise. Don't wait. Get up. And what? And be baptized. And be baptized. And wash. And what is the baptism going to do? Wash away sin. Why? Because it represents death and sin can't pass through it. 
Amen. Amen. You can, because the Lord is inviting you. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. Keep going. Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. On who? The name of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. T today, what I've kind of hopefully shown you is that as soon as we knew what the, the baptism is, and as soon as we know what it does, we have no choice but to go after it with all our heart. The scripture says to Paul, arise, quickly, get up now, amen? And be baptized and wash away your sins. Calling on who? The name of the Lord. I'm so grateful for the baptism. You know, I, if it was me creating salvation, I'd have made people do all kinds of, of stuff. But the idea that I can have my sins washed away simply by being baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus is just a beautiful thing. It is a wonderful thing. And we have this salvation for us, for the people. Of, and I will preach, teach, and baptize until the Lord calls me home. May the Lord add a blessing Amen. to the reading of his word.